Today on The Topping Show, Bud Light CEO says it's the boycotter's fault his employees are suffering. Supreme Court bans affirmative action in colleges. Michigan to ban the First Amendment. Dylan Mulvaney speaks out about the Bud Light fiasco. Alcohol is banned at the Paris Olympics, unless you're rich. Nike misses their Q4 profit goals. The first EV bike adopts a Tesla plug. Eli Lilly to buy cycle and therapeutics. Overstock.com is now bedbathandbeyond.com. Snapchat Plus hits 4 million users. Supreme Court backs religious freedoms and aspartame may cause cancer. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, can you need a little assistance, you reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business podcast, you have Snapchat Plus gaining over 4 million paid users. Now, Snapchat Plus is the company's premium paid service that's been out for about a year. And it's just also kind of funny when you think of every tech company ridiculing Elon Musk and Twitter, saying that people will never pay for social media. That's, that's a ridiculous idea. It's going to crash and burn overnight. And then almost immediately, every tech competitor to Twitter started to charge users for a premium service. And it turns out to be the opposite of a business blunder. Some might say business brilliance. That might be a, an award we show in the channel. Let me know if you think that might be a good idea. I appreciate you taking the time to subscribe, like, and comment, let us know what you think. Now, the benefits of getting Snapchat Plus are you get exclusive access to early access perks, such as the Snapchat for web and an AI-powered chatbot called MyAI, which I'd give it a B- for marketing. It tells you exactly what it is. Not very inspiring, It's but it's straightforward. My AI makes sense. Now, it is also important to note that 4 million people are paying for Snapchat Plus, which is another interesting marketing thing. Everyone is doing Plus. CNN Plus, well, wait, they actually crash and burn epically because no one paid for the service. Nevertheless, you have people who do pay for services, such as DW Plus or Daily Wire Plus, which is a media company headquartered out of Tennessee. And... Seems to be the plus is like Disney Plus. It's it's all about the plus. Now, getting back to the point, out of the 4 million people who paid for Snapchat Plus, that's out of 750 million monthly active users, which I was pretty astonished they have that high of a volume of people using their product, which is great for the company, but at the same time, you have to remember, an overwhelming majority of those people, in fact, an over, 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 overwhelming majority of those people are not paying for it. So the only way they make money is advertising. And of course, as I said on this channel past couple months, actually, money from advertisers is going down year over year, which is why these companies have to get creative and try to figure out how to really keep the platform stable and profitable. So out of those 750 million active users, 4 million are paying for it. Now, you do, don't worry, I know history math scores are all-time low, so I did the math for us. That is 0.005% of users paying for the platform. Now, the interesting thing will be how high does that percentage need to be to really help grow and propel the company so they can make more acquisitions, maybe increase the actual functionality of the core product, as more and more companies are trying to cut costs just to stay afloat these days. Time shall tell. Now, 
Overstock.com is renaming its website to bedbathandbeyond.com, which is fascinating from a marketing perspective as well as an acquisition perspective. Now, Overstock.com was established back in 1997 by Patrick Byrne over in Utah, which if you're listening on the international, it's a state that isn't Texas, so don't worry, you don't need to memorize it too much. They have one or two things going over there. They have some hills, maybe a little snow. But Texas has snow too, although mainly ice storms. But I digress. Now, this news is coming after only a couple of weeks where Overstock.com bought Bed Bath & Beyond's assets throughout the bankruptcy. They had the highest bid and the bid finally went through. It looks like the courts approved it because obviously there's not much of a concern about a monopoly. I mean, if it was Amazon trying to buy Bed Bath & Beyond, maybe. It, and they, and they, and again, at the end of the day, it's a very small revenue. The acquisition for the remaining assets were $21.5 million. So it's, in terms of most companies like Amazon's around here. Now, the CEO of Overstock.com noted that, which is, his name is Johnson, he noted that they may change the company's corporate name, but not at this time. So right now, it's just a public-facing website, which for all intents and purposes, that's probably... If you look at the long-term trend of the companies, they'll probably rename their, their name after the product, Bed Bath Beyond in this case. You have a very similar instance where Research in Motion, many people don't know that it was, most, it was one of the most high advanced tech companies in history. And they chewed strong for a couple of years with a couple of good products. And they, had, they finally had one product that knocked it out of the park. You may know that product as the Blackberry. And that product was so overwhelmingly popular, they changed the legal name of the company from Research in Motion to Blackberry. Now, in this instance, Bed Bath Beyond is such a well-known name, it will probably surpass the company's legal name of Overstock.com as many research analysts and consumers continue to confuse Overstock.com with a surplus website that is usually not known for being customer-facing. So even though they've built that brand for years and years, it sounds like they're pretty much going to wholly adopt the Bed Bath Beyond brand. Now, it should be noted that this is only for the online assets. And think, think of the assets that you can't move physically. So you got the customer base in terms of the email list that they collect throughout the years, the customer data, customer data on all the things customers are buying, their demographics, how much they buy. So it's all the intellectual property. Now, in terms of the brick and mortar Bed Bath Beyond stores throughout the United States, those are not part of this particular deal. And it also did not include the company's assets and the brand of Bye Bye Baby, which is actually founded by one of the founders of Bed Bath Beyond back in the day, then Bed Bath and Beyond bought them out and brought it into the company of Bed Bath Beyond. Have you say that 12 times in a row? But nevertheless, this is great news for Overstock.com and caused their stock to actually jump by 20%. So the shareholders are obviously very happy with it. And a lot of people think it's a good idea, something to invest in. Again, I'm not a financial analyst myself. I just point out trends. I recommend if you buy or sell anything. Actually, I would recommend just investing yourself. That's pretty, it's a pretty good ROI. Gamble on yourself, start a business. That's my three cents in that regard. Used to be two cents, but damn, it's for your high inflation. It's got to be three cents, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Now, other interesting businesses you have Eli Lilly going to buy Siglione's Therapeutics. Now, Eli Lilly was established in 1876. Again, I know math scores are all time low, so I'll do the math for us. That's 147 years ago. It was actually started by a union, um, it was a union general, and they started one of the first pharmaceutical companies in the United States. Now, the purchase, or the rather the reason behind this purchase, is for them to increase their capabilities around diabetes treatment, specifically the drugs as well as the insulin in particular. 
A lot of people saw the writing on the wall, so to say. Eli Lilly actually purchased 8.44% of all of Sigma stock back in March. So if you're it's kind of like when Elon bought 9% of Twitter on his cell on his own, if you're buying and again, remember, that's a lot of money. It's, these publicly traded companies are worth trillions sometimes. If you're buying that three seven to eight, that's a big percentage to have of a publicly traded company. So kind of a lot of people saw the writing on the walls and given the, the health trends in the United States around obesity and poor food intake, investing in technologies and medical capabilities around things that are ripple effects of those direct things, including diabetes, prudent business decision and hopefully they come out with new therapeutics and they'll be able to help a lot of people in the future. So a little bit of a upside for business news. Now, other interesting business news in the automotive world, you have the first EV bike company it's going to adopt the Tesla plug. Now, this is the company out of Switzerland or Sweden. It's a overseas manufacturer by the name of Verge Motorcycles. And they do plan on entering the U.S. market, as the CEO noted. Part of the reason they chose Tesla for that adaptation was just the overwhelming majority of those Tesla chargers throughout the U.S. There's 17,000 now. They're going to keep building more and more and more, which is great news for Tesla and those shareholders because, of course, seems like every company is signing on. You have Ford, General Motors, Volvo, and more and more and more every, seemingly every other day, signing up to use the Tesla network, which Tesla actually opened up partially because, well, not partially, because the U.S. government has quite literally billions in subsidies for that. So it makes sense. And in terms of, it seems inevitable that every automotive company is going to adopt the Tesla standard. It, I don't see the competition, the competition in terms of the charging stations growing at a faster rate or having a larger market share than Tesla long-term. But time shall tell. Other interesting businesses, you have Nike missing their Q4 profit. That is not good if you're publicly traded. It's also not good in general. Now, the CFO, Matt Friend, said during a call that when they were talking about their full fiscal year ahead, he does expect Nike sales to grow, but only in mid-single digits, which... Any growth is good as a company, but when you're publicly traded and there are people literally gambling their life in terms of their their savings, you have all these firms, they want the maximum amount of growth rate and the maximum amount of profit. And usually when you're talking about publicly traded companies, they want, you want to see double-digit growth rates, like exponentially. That's one of the reasons tech companies, social media companies, used to not care about bots. And Netflix didn't care if you had 12 different accounts to sign your name because the more accounts, the better. You want the biggest growth rate. Now, it sounds like Nike's coming into more trouble. Now, this is even as other rivals of Nike in the clothing and apparel company are starting to drive down prices. And he did say that Nike will try to keep its own prices higher, saying its priority in the next couple of months are going to be to, quote, drive healthy, full-priced growth. Now, they're going to do this probably through many reasons, or many ways, rather, Looking through that, the company past couple of years, you've noticed that, or I've noticed that they have a huge relationship with Foot Locker. That's one of their largest brick and mortar partnerships. They've been growing that sales presence throughout the years, but they've also exponentially increasing their own capabilities around e-commerce, which I know it's cliche to say, but e-commerce is key to pretty much every company these days. I mean, shoot, we're watching this on the internet or you downloaded it on a podcast. I don't have a, a satellite dish on the rental house or where I can actually broadcast. It's also 1980, not 1989, so not many people care about cable. So it is all about e-commerce, and it does make sense. Now, in terms of the fiscal, actually, the numbers that went behind Nike, you had their fourth quarter net income of $1.03 billion, which was about 66 cents per share. Now, it sounds good. A billion is a lot of money. 
Unless you're Trump, that's nothing. Because I make seven, I made billions of dollars. I have seventy-eight billion in the bank. Some might say. That's your Trump impression for the day. It might have broken your earballs. It, it was, it wasn't the best. But I digress. Now they had that income of one point oh three billion. However, that is down from one point four four billion. So in terms of a company having a decrease in their sales, that is astronomically bad news. And that's number is compared to the same color last year. Now they, last year they noted that their revenue rose 5% to 12.83 billion. But again, quarter after quarter decreasing in numbers is not a good thing. And again, it's Nike. It's a name that's supposed to be synonymous with clothing and sport, sports balls. Some analysts and some people are starting to critique the company for their marketing decisions. They did have a partnership or a brand endorsement with the activist Dylan Mulvaney who is a biological man who dressed up in um, women's bras and apparel. And for some reason that didn't sell a lot of products apparently. That's what some people are arguing in terms of why their sales might be decreasing. You didn't really see a huge boycott compared to the Bud Light fiasco on social media. It's there, but it's interestingly enough not getting the same traction in terms of the public boycott. It is the same exact brand endorsement person, but I think it's also Maybe fashion is just a little bit different in general, but some people are saying that might be one of the reasons why, but in terms of social media, I haven't seen a big outrage like with other topics. Now, Nike noted that their gross margin slipped uh, quite 140 basis points to 43.6%, which is still, I, I wish I had 43.6% profit margins. I mean, when you sell a laptop, like in terms of a business to business for top technologies, you're talking single digits if you're lucky. but. It's one of those things where it went down to 43.6%, but they're a premium brand. I mean, I don't try to think last time I bought anything like Nike related. I still have my track shorts from, uh, was it middle school and gym shorts? They're a little tighter granted, but they still work. I'm one of those people where it's gym clothing. What do you care? You're getting sweaty anyway. I digress. Now, when it asked about that point slippage in their profit, they noted that for reasons why the Nike executives said, quote, Higher, pro higher product input costs and elevated freight and logistic costs, higher markdowns and continued unfavorable change in net foreign currency and exchange rates, unquote. Which shouldn't be too much of a surprise. They might make they might make 1% of their stuff in the United States, but they're most, I mean, most people know them for their large footprint, physical footprint, moderate pun because they make shoes. Um, in China, Vietnam, a lot of... Uh, countries in the Asia, uh, over in Asia. And when it comes to international sales, international manufacturing, exchange rate is a huge thing. It is one of the reasons behind the electronics and a lot of the video game fiascos in terms of the industries. You see throughout the years, just based on the exchange rate, it might not be profitable to ship something from Japan to the United States. It's a very complex situation, but for their resellers, like let's say you go to a Walmart or a store that sells Nike, every time they mark down the cost of those clothes, that's not good for many reasons, not just because it discounts the actual profit that you get from the product, but it's also one of those issues where you're starting to chisel away at the premium brand that is Nike, some might say. So it's also a public perception issue. There's a reason you don't see Apple at the dollar store. Not that there's anything wrong with the dollar store. They're a great store, they have great products, but you're just not gonna see it there. It's a different demographic. Well, it's also a different product. I don't think they sell computers, maybe plastic ones, but that could also be an issue of Nike. If they continue to decrease the actual price of products, 
what's that going to do to the brand perception? And when it comes to these luxury companies, people are paying more for that brand. As silly as it sounds, it's a big thing. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have alcohol being banned at the Paris Olympics. Now, this is for many reasons, one of which is known as the Elvin's Law, which began in 1991, and that bans the sale of booze to the general public in France's sporting stadiums, which I did the research for you. France does have sports. I, I, I know it sounds unfathomable, but they apparently do have sports teams with sports balls in addition to maybe the cycling. They have the Tour de France. That's Tour de France, baguettes, smoking, Bugatti, Goodyear. That's, that's France. Although Bugatti, some might argue, is German because they're owned by Volkswagen Group. I digress. So they actually do have some sports teams over there. And when you look into it, there are exceptions that are allowed. But the spokesperson for the Organization Committee for the Olympic Games, fancy title, they told Reuters during an interview that they didn't seek one, citing that the sheer number of events across the two-week event, or across the two weeks they'll be held, which I cannot imagine... In America, I don't think people can fathom a sports ball game without copious amounts of booze. Unless you own the team, then you're really invested and you want to see the outcome. But it's one of those things where in the United States, alcohol is synonymous with sports these days. And it's fascinating that a whole country would be against that. Now, they also continue to note with the interview with Reuters that, quote, Paris 2024 will, have or- will be organizing more than 700 competition sessions over 15 days of competition. Now, the loophole where I say if you have the money, you can get the booze, there is not really a loophole. It's just quite literally a separate set of rules for a separate venue. Now, the separate venue are the hospitality areas. Now, France has different laws around hospitality. It's a different industry and a different set of rules parameters. Although, simply said, it's basically a tent you pay to enter. You see this in the United States. What comes to mind, since I run a lot, is the half marathon and full marathon events. You can pay more to be part of the club and you get to go to this fancy white tent, get, I think you get extra, extra swill beer and some t-shirt or something, but it's just, you're just paying for a premium experience that some people enjoy. So you can have booze in Paris, but you have to be part of that cool white tent club. But time shall tell to see if this has any impact on the sport in and of itself. Now. Other interesting cultural news, you have Michigan to de facto ban the First Amendment. And some would say they're just Canada or Canada Junior, because they're, they're right there. Like the, the mitten of, of Michigan is right there. You could throw a, I was going to say you throw a rock, but you could throw a jug of maple syrup or a beaver and you could probably hit a Canadian or vice versa. You got both of which. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. There are, there are 10 mooses away, as the Canadian parameters or the units of measurement might say. Now, this is coming as a hate speech bill passed the Michigan State House and is now going over to the Senate. Now, this is alarming not just conservatives, but also religious folks, legal experts, as well as Americans. Now, this is bill number or name HB 4474. I know, very, politics can be very, very exciting, great marketing, but... Perhaps there's a reason it's dull so you don't pay attention. However, this is of the utmost importance if you believe in freedom of speech, which every American used to. Now, this bill, HB 4473, is part of legislation that would replace Michigan's existing Ethnic Intimidation Act 
and make it so that a hate crime to it is a hate crime to call someone to cause someone quote feel terrorized frightened or threatened unquote now under the bill's current framework sexual orientation gender identity or expression are included as as a classes protected against intimidation if passed the hate speech would make violators guilty of a felony punishable by up to five years in prison and a ten thousand dollar fine now if that doesn't sound heinous enough just think about it for about 18 tenths of a second what could this be used to do besides you know politically jail all of your enemies it can there's no exemptions for religion so if you're a christian or a catholic or many of the other religions that believe in heterosexual relationships and mar traditional marriage if you promulgate those ideals you are making them feel threatened or uncomfortable you'll be put in jail or ten have a ten thousand dollar fine that's astonishing although i should clarify that's disgusting abhorrent un-american it's not surprising actually because this law exists already in canada they've set up the laws if you even if it's not around um the hot topic of LGBTQIA uh, initiatives, if you insult the Prime Minister in Canada, you get fined, you can go to jail. Which, actually, now that, now that I remember, I'm based in the land of the free. Suck it, Trudeau. That communist Cuban. As somewhat of a joke, his mom was apparently, oh, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying promiscuous, and she went down and hung out with Fidel Castro, one of the most evil men in history, which any true Cuban would say, yeah, the casters are evil. That's why we all got the hell out and not going back. Now, it's already being done in Canada. This will absolutely be used as a political bludgeon and a weapon against your political enemies. There's no doubt about it. And it should scare the living hell out of everyone because any law that can be used as a weapon for you will eventually be used as a weapon against you because political parties changed and that, well, Sometimes, I was going to say, we'll see, uh, there's less and less confidence in the United States around elections and government in general. Can't blame them too much. But traditionally, the folks in power usually change. Now, granted, rhinos or re Republican in name only usually are good for nothing. Uh, that's why I'm usually more politically in the middle or libertarian. But traditionally, they'll use it against you. So this should scare the hell out of everyone who believes in the First Amendment. I mean, just read that again if they feel threatened. And we've been told that silence is violence. So if you don't say something, you're evil. Or if you say what you believe in and you hurt someone's feelings, then you're going to go to jail. That's asinine. I can't, I can't think of a word that more accurately expresses my disgust with this initiative. It's literally 1984 on steroids, which I looked at my bookshelf. I should probably let me know if you'd be interested in a book review. But I know I reference that book all the time. It's a quite sad book, and even sadder when you consider how much of it has become a reality. But in terms of the First Amendment, which, thank, thank God, we actually have a Supreme Court with, that actually believes more in the constitutionality of the United States, this will probably get shot down in the long term. But in the short term, imagine going to jail just because you said, oh, yeah, I, I believe in X, Y, and Z. And they're not for, it's one of those things where they're forcing their beliefs on you with this law. If you do not, if you make me feel threatened anyway, if you do not acquiesce and bend the knee, you'll be jailed for your beliefs. And unfortunately, there's fewer and fewer men these days who will stand up for what they believe and have the fortitude to say, I will not bow down. I will not give in to the 
group think. I, I believe in my values and I will fight to the death for my freedom to express my beliefs. Friendly reminder, the 4th of July is right around the corner. Don't forget to celebrate appropriately. Now, going on to other interesting cultural news, you have the Bud Light CEO saying that it's your fault, or if you're anyone really who was boycotting the brand, it's your fault his employees and distributors are suffering, which is not too surprising. This is a guy who acquiesces from all responsibility in general and who has the temperament or training of a politician. He was former CIA, former spy apparently, and it's not too surprising he is very good at dodging questions. Now, in particular, he said that the boycotter, the boycotters decimating sales over the Dylan Mulvaney promotion should think about, think about our employees. Think about the distributors. And actually, in a more cliche call to emotional rhetoric, I cannot think, think of the farmers. No one is angry at the farmers. No one is angry at the distributors. They're... The people who are protesting the brand are upset with you. You targeted children by hiring a spokesperson whose target audience is in their teens on the TikTok, which again, United States, you cannot sell beer. I know it's Bud Light. There's only about, it's basically water, but still it's not legal to sell it to children. And this is just ridiculous. He noted that we have 18,000 direct workers at Bud Light and 47,000 distributors of the products. And also, and again, just don't don't forget about the farmers. Ridiculous. Quite literally blaming everyone but himself. And this is just like with the marketing campaign. At first, the company blamed an outside marketing business. And then later, we go, oh yeah, Alyssa Hirschild, she was the brainchild behind the initiative. And there's still a debate if they're even fired at all because the CEO refuses to use the word fired. We have some evidence from an internal plea that they are no longer part of the org chart. But it's fascinating to think he's trying to do everything he can to say something without saying something to try because he's scared. If he, He's already pissed off everyone. It'll be interesting to see how much every time I think, OK, maybe they're bottoming out. Maybe they can't screw up anymore. They just it's like they just shoot themselves in the foot. Or maybe a good analogy would be they drink Bud Light. Equally, equally tragic events, not the same outcome, but yeah, continuing to blame everyone but themselves for this problem they created because they chose to get involved in politics, which is why, again, I'm not a marketing expert, but I always tell people there's no, there's not a lot of upside about talking about politics unless you're a news outlet or you're a political channel or a political organization. I don't really need to know the politics of who makes my corn syrup sugar drink. I guess I don't drink those. That's not very accurate. I don't need to know the politics of who gives me my coffee, my coffee beans. It's coffee beans. I mean, it's fascinating to see more and more companies make this mistake. Now, other interesting cultural news, speaking of Bud Light and their brilliance, or more accurately, their blunders, you have Dil Mulvaney finally breaking the silence around the Bud Light fiasco, which actually brings us a little bit more insight into what might be going on behind the scenes because again it sounds like Bud Light might have been lying to us which that might be a really deadly drinking game if we were to drink every time I say Bud Light lied or Bud Light messed up or Bud Light is a business blunder of the week or the day of the month of the year because they just keep making headlines and almost seemingly breaking records so don't release this on the TikTok but someone put it on the Twitter 
So let's uh let's see what Dylan has to say. Hi. One thing I will not tolerate people saying about me is that I don't like beer. This is coming from someone who is drinking. It looks like I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying piss. It might be Bud Light, but it looks like apple juice, and it's not out of a can. It's out of a it's out of the glass jar that's supposed to look like a can. And it has flowers on it, of course, and it's blue to match Dylan's dress. I've never seen someone actually use one of those things in real life. Because I love beer, and I always have. Um, I built my platform on being honest with you, and what I'm about to tell you might sound like old news, but you know that feeling when you have something uncomfy like sitting on your chest? Well, that's how it, it might be the Nike bra. Don't know for sure yet, though. Because as a joke, well, not really as a reality. That was one of the brand endorsements that also chose Dylan. I feel right now. So this feels like the right thing to do. Huh. I took a brand deal with a company that I loved and I posted a sponsored. Really? All right. So it sounds a little like a little bit more than just one single can with the face on it. Sounds like a campaign video to my page all right and it must have been a slow news week because the way that this ad got blown up you would have thought i was like on a billboard or on a tv commercial or something major but i mean we've gotten to the point where the internet is more popular than cable tv having a video go viral on the internet i think in this case on the tiktok originally that's just as valid as what used to be maybe something that's trending on the cable news box no it was just an Instagram video. Oh, Instagram. And the wildest part is that they also sent me one can with my face on it. You might have seen it. And funny story, I had the can around my house, but then I realized, wait, I need to protect this can. So I hid it somewhere, and now I can't find it because I hid it so well. But when I do find it, I feel like it needs to go in a museum, preferably behind... I agree. That can should be preserved for 100, maybe 50 years. As you can see behind me, if you're just listening on the podcast, I have an old Blockbuster sign, Radio Shack sign, Toys R Us, uh, EDS. I, I love business history. From business history and a marketing perspective, this is going to be something that's talked about in businesses, in college classes, finance classes, for decades. You have the Shark Tank executive, Kevin O'Leary, saying that Bud Light is a gift that keeps on giving because they've lost $25 billion in stock valuation since the April 1st initiative with Dylan. I mean, this screen talked about forever. So I do agree that can should be preserved as a business story that will last longer than I can comprehend. In terms of a beverage company making this mistake, this has been wor much, much worse than New Coke. And New Coke was a big thing in and of itself back in the day. Bulletproof glass. And you might be thinking, Dylan. That's expensive. But usually the quality is worth it. Why bring it up now? That's true. It's been about two months, three months. Yeah, because April 1st, April to May, May to June. Yeah. I, I'm bringing it up because what transpired from that video was more bullying and transphobia than I could have ever imagined. And I should have made this video months ago. Now, this is talking about the, cult, the cultural news, talking about Michigan banning the First Amendment, or de facto banning the First Amendment. Again, this is my anecdotal evidence. I followed this cultural issue for a couple months now i'm not seeing a lot of physical threats or pejorative language around the situation most people are protesting the fact that it was a spokesperson who 
again, has an average audience member of a child. And there are folks who are concerned about the trans community and the women's community with um, sports organizations where there's disadvantages. So it did spark a greater conversation. And there are many memes. Again, memes in Michigan memes will most certainly be banned. But again, if they're physical threats, absolutely stop those people. That's not appropriate. But again, this is another stuff. That's free speech. To go, but I didn't. And I was scared. And, and I was scared of more backlash. Scared? This person is the most privileged person in the United States. They're getting million dollar brand endorsement deals for companies like, um, there's a women's uh, makeup company. I believe it was um, at Maybelline. Ultra? Yeah, Ultra. Multi-million dollar contracts. And there's a whole community supporting this person. It should also be noted that someone else tweeted a little news investigative reporting and they saw Dylan at a club wearing a, what was it? So Dylan was at a club, you know, so that's public. And Dylan was wearing an $800 bra, which, geez, Louise, $800 for clothing? Yeah, alone, the, the amount of material in a bra, like $800 for a bra? Jeez Louise. And, and I felt personally guilty for what transpired. So I patiently waited for things to get better, but surprise, they haven't really. And, and I was waiting for the brand to reach out to me, but they never did. That is why you have people on the left in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community, now they're protesting Bud Light. So again, the CEO of Bud Light has managed to piss off everyone, which again, kind of like a politician, they're not saying, they're, they said they're probably making donations to uh, drag queen um, events and uh, pride parades, which they've done for, I think they've done pride parades for thir 20 to 30 years now. The CEO is quite proud of that. But yeah, because they did not stick with Dylan, that's why you're seeing a big backlash. A lot of uh, gay bars are dropping the brand completely. And they're no longer serving the beverages, which good for the patrons, but. And for months now, I've been scared to leave my house. I have That's been ridiculed in public. I've been followed. Oh. And I have felt a loneliness that I wouldn't wish on anyone. And I'm not telling you this because I want your pity. Mm. I am telling you this because if this is my experience from a very privileged perspective, uh, know that, that it is much, much worse for other trans people. For a company to hire a trans person and then not publicly stand by them is worse, in my opinion, than not hiring a trans person at all. Hmm. Because it gives... Yeah, I got, I got to see that. If you, Bud Light, exam, they drop the ball. I can't think of an uh, appropriate enough metaphor for dropping the ball. Like, uh, I used to know sports, sports balls and sports teams. They drop the ball like a Chicago Bears player. I know they, they're still mediocre, but they'll be good next year. No, they won't. Gives customers permission to be as transphobic and hateful as they want. And, and the hate doesn't end with me. It has serious and grave consequences for the rest of our community. And, and you know, we're customers too. I know mm. a lot of trans and queer people who love beer. I thought that and was, I have some less. I thought that was pejorative, which is a fancy word for saying bad. Being friends who could drink some of those haters under the table. But to turn a blind eye and pretend everything is okay, it just isn't an option right now. And, and you might say, but Dylan, I, I don't want to get political. Babe, 
supporting trans people it shouldn't be political there should it is it's one of those things where very few people there are a couple but very few people really care about what you do in the bedroom or in the privacy of your own home that i don't see when i'm talking to people that's not really the folks thing that's not the subject people are debating a lot of people are debating the participation of the trans community in women's sports where what was that swimmer's name the swimmer was like the 430th worst male swimmer like he he was ranked the 420th or 30th out of the whole community of men's sweaters and then tra became transitioned and was now the f number one now interestingly enough this is no difference in gender why don't we see people going from the other way around and setting and smashing and just destroying re world records in sports so i've seen that as a big, that is a politically charged issue where it is fascinating where it is a left versus right kind of topic but you also see you see that and then you also see the drag show for kids that's a political issue where again it is interesting that is a is political i thought there are i think there are more people in the middle starting to take sides but it's interesting to see one side continuing to push these initiatives and it's become a political issue should be nothing controversial or divisive about working with us and well, I think, again, the controversy is that your average user is in their teens and they can't drink beverages. I think that's why you're not seeing as big as a boycott when it comes to Nike, when Nike paid Dylan to wear bras, when Dylan can't fill them up. And I know it's possible because I've worked with some fantastic companies who care, but, but caring about the LGBTQ... Which is, again, why Dylan is a millionaire. Plus community requires a lot more than just a donation somewhere during Pride Month. That I do agree with. I don't, I don't appreciate companies that are charlatans or two-faced. If you're going to authentically believe in something, do it throughout the year. That's why I always am a little annoyed when companies will pretend to care about the Fourth of July, and yet they're against the First Amendment or they're against the Second Amendment. But every Fourth of July, they'll put out a banner on the LinkedIn. They'll say, "Oh yeah, you know, welcome to Fourth of July." Or, They'll say thank you to our veterans on all the, all the different holidays. And yet they might have the lowest percentage of hiring veterans. It's one of those things where if you authentically believe in something, walk, you know, talk the talk, walk the walk, as some might say. So, again, I might not agree with um, many things Dylan is saying, but that that is a point where, yeah, a lot of these companies, I think, abuse. They use different political mechanisms to push their products. I don't so much believe in many of them. Some I wholeheartedly do. You look at Target, their stock's not doing well, but. And all this to say, bottom line, is that if you follow me, if I've made you smile, if you care about me, I need you to care about every trans person. And I need you to support us. And I need you to stand by us. And, and hey, it's still Pride Month. So um, I'm gonna celebrate being a- I say that because the day I'm recording this, it's not. It is now 4th of July month, which some are calling MAGA month, which is an amusing term. Um, maybe we'll just call it America month or something like that, but we'll see. Life. And I'm going to celebrate the trans people in my life and the ones I haven't met yet. And I'm going to celebrate the fact that no matter how many thousands of horrible messages or news anchors misgendering me or companies going silent. According to Michigan law, those news anchors will be jailed. For five years or pay a ten thousand dollar fine because again you're making this person feel uncomfortable and you are threatening them 
that I can look in the mirror and see the woman that I am and that I love being. And and I know you were probably here for the tea of it all. Um, I don't know what that means. The tea of it all? Tears? I don't see any tears. Don't look quite happy. But I would love for something productive to come from this. So there is a link in my bio to oh, the Trans okay. Law Center who is doing some wonderful work if you have the means to donate. And to the good people out there, I love ya. I really do. And um, cheers, but only if you're of legal drinking age. Oh, now Dylan clarifies you should be of legal drinking age to enjoy the product that Dylan is endorsing. Okay. I love you. Bye. Why? That's awkward. I've never met this person. Why are they? They're, they're telling the world that they love them. That word has been cheapened throughout the decades, I would say. It's something you should only say to your spouse, your child, and a parent. Maybe one or two people on your deathbed. Again, that word has been used so much, it's almost lost all meaning. Now, this is reposted by quite a couple people on the Twitter. And, let's see. Yeah, the top comments are all negative. Uh, they're, they're not good. So it was interesting to see that Bud Light apparently even did worse in terms of, again, they were saying it was just one can. Now Dylan is saying it was a whole initiative. Given Dylan's popularity on social media, I think it would be much more likely for them to give this person a long-term contract, like even if it's a, maybe it's a multi-month or multi-fiscal quarter. So again, this just makes Bud Light work look even worse as Bud Light quickly skyrockets to the year or to the business blunder of the decade as we continue to evaluate their copious amounts of business blunders. Now, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have the Supreme Court banning affirmative action in colleges, which goes against decades of precedent of these schools with their discrimination policies. Now, here's a the vote came down to a six to three vote and Supreme Court specifically said you cannot use race as a factor for college administrations. The cases that were brought to the Supreme Court because they have to rule on cases that are brought to them, which I, I have to clarify that partially because schools are not teaching much in the United States. Again, some are really good. Calm down in the comments. But this specific ruling was against North Carolina Chapel Hill, UNC, for their race-based affirmative action policies and they know that they were unconstitutional. Also going against Harvard, which the Harvard, they're, they're going to be devastated that they can't discriminate anymore. I mean, what will they do? What will they possibly do? I guess I, I, I missed the boat. Maybe I should apply to Harvard. Get that Cuban, uh, a Cuban card. Ooh, that could be a novelty in and of itself or a CC. Eh, I'll think of something smarter later. But in terms of the statistics on, you know, everyone talks about, do these, do schools really do this? Yeah, they absolutely do. And here's um, my latest report or analysis of Harvard admissions. These were groups of people who had, it was leveled, so they had the same test scores and SAT scores, so applications. And they noted, what's the percentage that the school admits them? Asians community was 12.7%. White, they were accepted 15.3% of the time. Hispanic, 31.3% of the time. African American, 56.1%. So there's, you might notice there's a very large discrepancy of the differences between those percentages. And 
Yeah, it is interesting. People say, yeah. They, have, they also know, you ever wonder, there's a interesting other fact how there's a very higher, there's a higher percentage of females at college campuses also because of this policy. And when it comes to the case of the Harvard, the result was, quote, school must now, quote, sorry, decide where racial diversity ranks among priorities that can include academic, or sorry, decide where racial diversity ranks among priorities that can include academic performance achievement in extracurricular activities and preferences for alumni and donors. Now, Justice Roberts noted specifically, quote, for far too long, colleges in the United States have concluded wrongly that the touchstone of, self, of an individual's identity is not challenges based on the skills based or lessons learned, but of the, scholar, but of the color of their skin. Our constitutional history will not tolerate this. Based, as the youth might say, which I think is just another word for cool or they're based in reality. Either way, based. Now, it should be noted that the justices on the leftists, who are a term I use for people who are hard left, and you also have you know far right, it's terms for everything these days, but you have Sotomayor um, saying that this rolls back decades of progress, which personally, I don't see discrimination as progress. I think it's a bad thing, but that's just my three cents. Now, you also have uh, Katai Jackson saying that this is a travesty, that you can no longer take someone's race into account, and that it's only merit-based. Kataja Jackson, you might know her as not knowing what a woman is, because when she has been questioned to become a Supreme Court justice, they asked her if she could define it, and she said she's not a biologist. Yeah, let me, I, again, I'm not too surprised. Yeah. Now, Biden actually also... Again, again, this was Supreme Court is different than college admissions, but it's interesting that Biden actually said before who he's going to hire. He said what, what sex or, or sexual orientation, what gender and ethnicity the person would be before the qualification. So Biden probably said we're going to hire someone who is a African American female. He didn't go out and say he's going to hire the best, which is what he should have done. I mean, political optics alone, that would be a more prudent decision to say, I'm going to choose the best candidate, and they just happen to be, because that, in my opinion, everything is merit-based. Now, you also have Biden's former staffer by the name of Erica Marsh saying, quote, Today's Supreme Court decision is a direct attack on black people. No black person will be able to succeed in a merit-based system, which is exactly why affirmative action-based programs were needed. Today's decision is a travesty, unquote. And of course, it should be no surprise that she is a liberal, right, liberal white woman, which that's one of the most racist statements I've read in quite some time. They're not too surprising. Again, every, everyone in the United States has the opportunity to succeed. That's why people move across the globe and move heaven and earth to get here. And also, fun fact, the highest earning group of, by demographics in the United States are Asian Americans. They make more than any other race. And African-Americans make more in the United States than any other country in terms of the average income per family. There are unprecedented levels of opportunity in the United States. That's a beautiful thing about capitalism and business. People are gonna, traditionally, people hire the best people for the, that's going to have the best impact on the business and the customers. And it's going to facilitate their needs and help, purport, help propel the company to new levels. Now, this will be an interesting ripple effect in terms of, will this have an effect on businesses with employment? Because many businesses do have certification, they actually have, they have initiatives for hiring minorities. And that, again, I'm not against that. I'm wondering, will this be taken into account in terms of 
will businesses now be measured by different metrics? Will they have to obfuscate the truth? There are some people already purporting that instead of the college applications, you're saying your race, you're gonna have to, you have to an essay where you write about yourself. And in that, you could write your race. So instead of having a check mark on the college application, you'll be able to say it through the essay. So it will be interesting to see what type of ripple effect that says has on college applications, as well as how's it gonna affect the business world and other initiatives. But at the end of the day, I think it's great to have, I always say it's really is important to have multiple perspectives because you do, you always wanna surround yourself by the smartest people and the best people. And I don't think it should be based on race alone. It should be about merit. What's your unique background? How can you add value to the company? And time shall tell to see how this has an impact on the whole ecosystem. Now, other interesting political news, you have the Supreme Court backing religious protection. Now, in this case, it involved a Christian mail carrier who didn't want to work on Sunday. Now, again, it's uh, 2023, so I have to clarify. Sunday is a day of the week where many worship and go to church, believe in God, and they are a member of the community. It used to be a really trendy thing back in the day. Unfortunately, now it's had a precipitous decrease of popularity. Personally, I hope that trend reverses because I see there's a lot of upside to having a strong community, strong, having a strong faith-based community. I think there's a lot of upside. gives you a good, good blueprint for being a good person. And that's just my three cents. Now, this case, this case, the, case, the case that came before the court involved a mayor carrier in the rural state of area of Pennsylvania. The man was told that part as part of his job, he'd have to start delivering Amazon packages on Sundays. Now, he declined, obviously, because he said that Sundays were for church and family. Which, again, if you're a Catholic or Christian, it's actually in the Bible that you're supposed to rest on Sunday. I won't dive too deep on biblical historicals and you know the origins of that, but I will say, if you're part of that community, and also in many other religions, you're supposed to relax on Sunday. Now, this is actually, interesting enough, a unanimous decision. So, everyone on the Supreme Court actually voted together that this man should have that ability. Now, the justice did make it clear that workers who ask for accommodations, such as taking the Sabbath off, should get them unless their employers show that doing so would result in a, quote, substantial increased cost to the business. Which, I'm glad that they have that exception. And it's one of those things where I think religious, I think religious protection needs to be bolstered, especially the past couple of decades, you see more and more discrimination against folks of faith. But also, every time it comes to a law and affecting businesses, the first thing I think is, how is this gonna hurt small businesses? Because small businesses, every penny counts and every person counts even more. So it's one of those things where just one more law could destroy a small business because of overhead complexities. I mean, small businesses already have to hire groups of accountants to help them navigate the sea of complex tax laws to make sure they're in compliance so they don't go out of business because they make an accounting error and the IRS sues them into oblivion. So it's already a stressful experience and very hard. So, so if they can show that it would have a substantial decrease in business, they obviously would have that exception. So they would, they would in that case, tell the employee no. And I think of a lot of startups where you have to put in 105 hours a week. And, and it makes sense. And we'll see how it goes. Now, the court also made clear that, that businesses must cite more than minor cost, so-called de minimis cost, to reject requests for religious accommodations at work. Unlike most cases before the court, both sides in this case agreed that businesses needed to show more. Now, my, my concern is what's how much of burden of proof do you have to show? What We'll see. I, I appreciate the intention. And it is interesting to see that 
there are a lot of contiguous Supreme Court cases and traditionally you see a lot of the people on the very left and the very right kind of just vote their own party, which I, I want the folks who are going to vote for the Constitution of the United States and what the country was founded for. And that's kind of my three cents on who would I like as a nominee. Um, but it is interesting to see even the people on the on the far like, uh, on the far of the political spectrum in the Supreme Court came together to vote on this particular initiative together. So that that was interesting. Now going on to the business blunder of the day, yeah, aspartame might cause cancer, and perhaps this is an industry blunder. But yeah, this is not good. Now, aspartame is a sweetener that's actually two hundred times sweeter than sucrose. Which, in terms of counting calories, that's why you only need a little bit of it to get the big rush of euphoria when you suck down your garbage food. Although, I don't know, I, should, I shouldn't say that too hard because it's in everything. Now, this was first submitted to the FDA, or the Food and Drug Administration. Got to hand it back and sound fancy. In 1974, and it was actually approved in 1981. As of today, in the United States, there's about 6,000 products with this substance inside of it. That's a lot of products. So it's something where if you try to boycott a company because they have this, your options are very limited depending on what you want to shove down your, your throat. Now, the World Health Organization said that they will, they are set to declare it as a possible carcinogen to humans. And they claim they're going to release their full findings on July 14th. And again, it's saying, it's, they're saying it's impossible, but a lot of countries make their food and drug and many of their policies around what the WHO says, the organization, not the British band. Although it's hard to say which one do people respect more after the many snafus of finding out who donates the most to that entity and how they've flip-flopped more than a politician on many issues. But they claim they're going to release their findings mid-July. I wonder how many United States companies are going to start removing it voluntarily just because of optics alone. It's one of those things where sometimes you don't even need a law, you just need to have the public perception around something be so drastic or so so different than what they're currently receiving or what the company are currently providing, that companies sometimes have to just re completely reshape all their formulas and all their marketing initiatives. It'll be interesting to see how all these businesses try to cope with this and as they try to find different alternative artificial sweeteners so that people become happy and contentious with their products. But time shall tell. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Can't thank you enough for taking time to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly helps out the channel. I especially feedback, appreciate the critical feedback as I always try to take that into account to make the channel the videos better and better and better. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.